welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. Mailbag! Yes, probably our final mailbag for the year. Yes, almost certainly, because it's almost the end of the year. Hi, everybody. What is time? What is time? (laughs) Okay, so folks, we are here to gossip and talk trash because we have been asked by Tea Books and Chocolate to give us a little bit of mailbag on YA messiness and drama. And of course, this is stemming from the recent controversy about Kate Corrin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but But basically, this is an author who was about to debut their first YA novel who was secretly revealed to be trashing other YA authors of color with one-star Goodread reviews using burner accounts. And this person ended up getting dropped. Their book is now not coming out via their publisher, so it caused a big to-do. And Brenna... You have other scandals to inform us about. I sure do. So this was so exciting to get the request (laughs) to catalog my favorite YA dramas. Because if there's one thing that YA literature gives us in the age of social media, it's Mm -hmm. so, so, so much drama. And I think... It's compounded by a few factors, right? Like when you are young as a fan, because some of these are fan-driven cuckoo bananas, (laughs) you feel things very, very hard. And maybe Mm -hmm. you don't have the best judgment when it comes to what should go on social media and what shouldn't. And things snowball. Hey, I think a lot of adults could be considered guilty of that as well. So yes, Yes, this is true. But actually, Joe, only one of our uh, stories today is actually fan-driven. The rest are creative driven and i think Oops. in that case it's more like you know what are we doing <laughs> ernest hemingway was drunk all the time mm-hmm. probably had a lot of horrible opinions that we didn't have to carry around in our pocket and i think right. that like in general i understand that social media drives a lot of book sales but i think sure. it also is just a space where a lot of things can go wrong so mm-hmm. Let's talk. Joe, I have I'm gonna walk you through my five favorite dramas. Oh my gosh. I love that you took this so seriously. <laughs> Folks, glimpse behind the curtain. Brenna fully sends me a Google Doc of like, here are my top five. What do we think? <laughs> and I knew none of this, so I'm very excited. So I've tried to balance between like the horrifying and the just very, very funny. Mm-hmm. And the, my number one is probably only number one to me, but I literally left Goodreads over the drama that I have as my number one. So Okay. Oh, are you counting these down in a particular order? Like one is the worst? For me, absolutely. One okay. is the worst, which is okay. bad because five is actually like, could have been like real life consequences, but I guess it's my enjoyment of the drama aspect is really what i'm counting down okay i see i see okay so hit us with number five okay so number five is the time that someone on tumblr accused john green of being a pedophile i think i remember this yes so it was a lot basically somebody posted on tumblr because john green was huge Mm -hmm. on tumblr and yes i think it's easy to forget now that he's like the guy who teaches you classes on YouTube for a lot of our sort of teen listeners, that would be their first interaction with John Green. Mm -hmm. But like for those of us who are in our forties and remember his rise, part of what made him so huge was that he really took to Tumblr. He connected with fans all the time. 
He was very available. And folks, if you don't recall John Green, The Fault in Our Stars. Yes, exactly. So I think also what happened to John Green is that he went from being a fairly niche YA writer to Mm -hmm. the biggest YA writer in the world with the publication Mm -hmm. of The Fault in Our Stars, right? And he didn't really change his internet presence over that. So what happened was like... He just became available to millions of people instead of the probably thousands who were interacting with him before. Mm-hmm. And this fan wrote this post about how the way John Green writes teenage love stories reminded them of like the creepy guy at the pool who watches the girls getting undressed. Oh. Yes. And then they, it went on like that, basically. And John Green as he always had prior to this, responded because he always responded on Tumblr. And he was like, this feels really out of left field. He's like, I don't know where this is coming from. Mm -hmm. There's kind of a like, if there's something in my books that has upset you, I'd love for you to tell me like what. But like, it's not every day you get accused of pedophilia. So or voyeurism. So yeah, the, the inclination to say, oh, tell me more because I don't understand where you're coming from. Very relatable. Yes. But obviously it's Tumblr. So... Yeah, so just don't. <laughs> and this was back in the day when people might not remember, but there was a time where when you reblogged somebody on Tumblr, you could mm-hmm. edit that blog. Like you <gasps> could change their blog. Oh, no. So somebody reblogged that post and made it all about penises. Oh, okay. Anyway, John Green left Tumblr for like a decade. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I'm sure he did. Yeah. And that was number five, because I know that that was probably like personally very painful to John Green, but it was also like, just very popcorny and very watchable from the outside. So right. Yeah. You're just watching that drama. It's the the gif of Michael Jackson and Thriller just eating the popcorn. Exactly. Exactly. That was me. Um, Okay. So my number four is actually from the same kind of like YA writer club. We've talked about this before, right? That YA writers kind of come up together Mm -hmm. um, and they end up being like pals. So... Maggie Stivator, who we've never done any of her books, Joe. No, not familiar. No, I'm okay with it. So she wrote this very (laughs) famous. (laughs) She wrote this very famous book trilogy, I think, called The Raven Cycle. Okay. And my big problem with her writing is that it's very like there's one girl who's cool. She fixes cars and she's like super fun. But all the other girls are like girly girls and kind of terrible. Like that's a whole vibe Uh, in her writing. And it's kind of always been a vibe in her like social media presence. Anyway, all this to say. So she ended up getting into a fight with the musician Halsey. Oh, yeah. See, Halsey, I do know. Yeah. So um, basically there's this song that Halsey has and I don't know the song because as we've established before, like I'm not cool. (laughs) But <laughs> so Halsey had been like, I guess, a One Direction fan and like big social on social media as a One Direction fan and then actually became a musician in her own right. Oh, okay. And she had this song called Drive, which fans of Stivator's Raven Cycle thought was like about something that happens in the Raven Cycle. Oh, so the fans took it and ran with it, even though that was maybe not the intention. And then Maggie Stifrider was like, oh, it's not about the car in my book. It's about a hand job. Like she has a lengthy oh. Twitter thread where she explains how Halsey's song is a song about a hand job. 
Nice. To which Halsey responds publicly on Twitter with a tweet that just says, are you an adult or what? (laughs) (laughs) The clap back. (laughs) Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, And so then everything got quite a bit stupider because (laughs) this was all just after or around the time that John Green was getting chased off of Tumblr. And Maggie Stifader made this big post about how like the big problem with social media is that people forget that like authors are human beings. Uh, Meanwhile, she was like fully mocking Halsey on her Twitter account, like at the same time. And Halsey's just like, this is very ironic what you're doing. (laughs) Right. You seem to lack the self-awareness to understand you are part of the problem right now. And so Maggie Stifader posts, I used Halsey as a long-running joke on my Twitter because I thought she'd never see it. It was like joking about, I don't know, Elvis. To which Halsey Halsey quotes back what she had said, what Maggie Stifader had said in defense of John Green, which was, and I quote, I advocate for celebrities to be seen as people. So anyway, it was amazing. Halsey came out (laughs) by far the better of it. Yes. And it turns out that, like, underneath it all was, like, Halsey had just gone through, like, a big breakup. And so that was, like, part of what the song was about. Anyway, so all this to say, Maggie Stifader looked like a total jerk. And I was there for it. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Points to Halsey. Okay. So number three is another big name YA writer who we've never done on the show, Sarah Dessen. Actually, I think we've had some of her short stories in some of the collections that we've done. Okay. So Sarah Dessen... She was very surprised over a whole situation that unfolded. So this place called Northern State University, you know, like many universities, they have like a one book, a one book read for the whole campus. Everybody's supposed to read it and, you know, it becomes Mm -hmm. like a common point. And they do this for freshmen so that every freshman is having like a shared experience. Sure. I disagree, but okay. (laughs) Sarah Dessen's book was shortlisted. And I can't remember which book and it's not in my notes. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. One of her books (laughs) was shortlisted. And a sophomore, a 19-year-old young woman was like, I actually don't think this is appropriate. Like, I came to university to really be challenged. This is a YA romance that a lot of my friends read in high school. I don't think this should be our one reads. And so, elitist, okay. <laughs> so she started this, like, campus petition. petition. campaign, yeah. So Sarah Dessen found out about it oh, and no. got, like, big mad. Right. Well, here's the thing. Even if this is a small college, that's probably a fairly big boost to sales, right? So yes. your your livelihood is potentially being threatened. Yes, totally. So Sarah Dessen is very popular or was very popular on Twitter mm-hmm. at the time. And so she tweeted about it. Oh, dear. She called the student misogynistic. She said oh. adults have a right to read YA, which, of course, we sure. all agree with. That wasn't mm-hmm. the student's point. Anyway, so people were retweeting it like Roxanne Gay, Jodi Picoult, Jennifer oh, Weiner, Celeste. No. Mm, so, like, yeah, so – and all of their followers were piling on this 19-year-old. Oh, and Sarah Dessen was going through and liking all these tweets, like ones that call this girl a bitch, ones that like... Oh, no. Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, I, I take back any rationalization. <laughs> no, this is cuckoo bananas behavior, not appropriate. Don't weaponize your fan base. No, and the thing is that 
the book that the student was really advocating for was she thought that everybody should read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson instead, which if folks are familiar is a book all about like the inequities in the criminal justice system. So Mm. it was basically she was saying like, I think that instead of reading, you know, something that's fun, we should be reading something that challenges us. So it also didn't look great that like this white YA writer was um, sort of mm-hmm. putting her own book up above a book like Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Anyway, the whole thing resolved with sort of an apology from Dessen, where she point she understood that the like size of her social media following meant that she had a responsibility to act more responsibly. Okay, but the university decided that the student was the one in the wrong and actually oh. put out a statement like saying that their student had screwed up. And Sarah Dessen was like, thanks for the apology. So I don't know that she learned anything from the experience. Ooh, boy. Brenna, that one makes me want to take a bit of a shower. That's not good. (laughs) No, it Mm. was very, very gross. Um, My number two is actually currently happening right now to the point that the tweet that I sent you as like evidence for Mm -hmm. this discussion today has been deleted in the 24 hours (laughs) since I sent you this document. Nice. I love it. Hot and fresh. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the story based on vibes. But basically what's happening is there's two people, Lauren M. Davis, who is an indie author with a whole bunch of romances out, um, and particularly a book with a character named Nova. And Nova is like, she's very powerful and she is able to control the sun. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a black writer and filmmaker named Marvelous Michael Anson, who has a book coming out that is about a female character who, among other powers, can control the sun. Oh, I'm noticing a theme. Well, you are noticing a theme, Joe, but um, that's basically the only similarity. And like, you might also recognize that there are characters dating back to like Greek mythology and the mm-hmm. Bible who can control the sun, right? right. And so... It's been an interesting journey for Lauren M. Davis on Twitter. Things aren't going well. Oh, dear. <laughs> She's <laughs> She made this criticism to which, you know, other people have pointed things out like, there are Marvel and DC characters that can control the sun. Are you, yep. are you reaching out to them? them or are you just going after this independent black creative? Like, right. it's not a good look. Not a good look. Lauren M. Davis claims that there is a lawyer's letter coming. So I guess this story is going to continue to develop. Um, but, double down, double down. <laughs> but she does. She either deleted all her tweets or deleted her account entirely. Ooh. So I don't know. We'll see where it goes. As of my sharing this with you yesterday, though, Joe, mm-hmm. Marvelous Michael Anson's book was getting quite a lot of pre-orders. So this might good. not be going the way Lauren M. Davis was hoping. You know what? There's got to be a silver lining to being targeted like that. Mm-hmm. And if it means, I mean, here's the thing. You don't want anyone to have to go through that experience. Yeah. But if it does boost those sales, ooh, that sounds awful. Even as I'm saying it out loud, notoriety <laughs> is just not a great thing. <laughs> no, it's not. And then my number one, Joe, my number mm-hmm. one YA mm-hmm. drama is and forever will be Kathleen Hale. Do you remember the Kathleen Hale story, Joe? No, I have no idea. Tell me all about it. Okay, so Kathleen Hale had a YA book coming out. And in the lead Mm -hmm. up to her YA book coming out, she was doing a bunch of like, you know, press, like not press about the book specifically, but trying to get her profile up with different editorials and opinion pieces, but you know, like writers do. Mm -hmm. And she published a piece, I believe, with The Guardian originally. Okay. 
where she recounted in great detail how after receiving a one-star review on Goodreads, uh-huh. she tracked down the reviewer <gasps> no. and went to their house. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. She did. And um, she tried to pass it off in the essay. There is no passing that off. <laughs> Fair. She tried to pass it off in the essay as this thing of like, Look how kooky I acted when I was so worried about this one-star review. No, you're a psycho. You're mm. a stalker. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm, absolutely. And um, so, yeah, so this was all about this book called No One Else Can Have You. Irony, because it's mm-hmm. a dark comedy about murder <laughs> and abuse. But anyway, whatever. Um, And uh, yeah, so like a lot of realist YA, it kind of comes out and it's sort of middle of the pack, right? Especially in 2014, we were still very much in the fantasy trilogy era. And so she was very, very concerned about this one star view. So yes, she went off and uh, yeah, attracted the person She went on an odyssey, yeah. (laughs) So the book blogger of note was Blythe Harris. She was a prolific reviewer on Goodreads and she had written a one star review of the book before it was even released. Okay. Who felt like it was... uh, really offensively written she was very concerned about the way abuse was perpetrated in the text and Hmm. ptsd and everything else and so okay yeah kathleen hale decided to do something about it um so she figured out who blythe was she figured out where she lived she rented a car and drove to what she believed was harris's house and as the buzzfeed story about this points out she didn't end up making any physical contact but she did call the house Mm -hmm. and pretended to be a fact checker Oh, come on. Yeah. So all of it was really, really bad. The essay was really, really bad. And it caused quite a bit of a blowback, obviously. I would hope so. Yes, people were pretty disgusted by it. But here's the thing about Kathleen Hale. She's a survivor, babe. And um, (laughs) what she decided to do instead of like what you might assume, which is maybe go find a different career path. Mm -hmm. Instead, she published a book five years later. No. With the title... Oh, no. Kathleen Hale is a crazy stalker. True. Accurate. Yeah. (laughs) And um, it contains a a selection of essays about various aspects of her life. It's it's not exclusively about the stalking and the follow-up, but um, Mm -hmm. it it, it does deal with that. Anyway. So she found a way to monetize her completely inappropriate behavior. Yes. And apparently she writes now for TV. She won't say any of the shows that she writes on because she's very concerned about being like – you kicked know. off yeah well she describes it as being canceled we uh, might oh, yes. not feel mm-hmm. that way not a thing but sure but yeah anyway so she uh she does start that collection of essays off with catfish which is all about uh, that experience so the reason that's number one for me is because when that essay came out in the guardian i had been writing for book ride at that point for like three or four years Right. And a number of one star reviews, maybe? <laughs> I don't even know if I actually gave one star reviews, but I did get a lot of hate from writers. Mm-hmm. I would just get these disturbing, I thought they were disturbing messages where, you know, I'd give something a two or a three star review and I get this comment like, oh, can you like revise that for me? Nope. Anyway, so I quit Goodreads when this essay came out because I was like, this is a little too close for life. comfort and I don't need this in my life. And I bailed. Yeah. 
So for me, that's why it's the number one. I really do feel like it's very important for authors to not weigh into reviewing culture. I don't think there's any good that can possibly come of it. Mm -mm. Especially not if you're actually interacting, right? Like if you want to be an author who reviews other people's works from a different perspective, I would say maybe. But if you're interacting with people regarding your own work, mm -mm. no, no, no. Your work is out there. Let other people have their opinions of it. And, you know, in the pre-Amazon days, Goodreads was really a community of people who liked books talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. I was not so into it once authors started having a much more... It's a presence, presence. right? Yeah, Yeah. and it always made me uncomfortable. So, yeah, I don't know. Not for me. But, yeah, that's, that's my five, Joe. I do have one additional piece of drama to share. Only it's not a YA story, but I felt like we couldn't talk about the last few years of internet drama and the writing community without talking about Susan Meachin. Okay. So Susan Meachin is a self-published romance writer. Should, maybe we say was, is, it's kind of confusing because she very much faked her own death in 2020. (sighs) Yes, I remember this one. Yeah, and then for three years she had random family members like posting from her accounts to keep them like Mm -hmm. going. And then- A few months ago, we found out that Susan Meachin is very much alive. She yeah. she basically, you know, she basically created a death hoax on herself. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously, this is a person who has some issues. But also, yeah. like, people spent money, sent donations to the family. Like, mm-hmm. yes, you know, people do things uh, when they aren't fully in control of their actions. And we should have empathy for that. But also... This person framed it as though she was being bullied by the romance writer community when what she was really getting was reviews. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it's mostly the Susan Meachin story is a very sad story, but I think it's a really good reminder that when drama seems to be spiraling out of control, it's a really good idea for everybody to take a couple steps back. Mm-hmm. In the case of Susan Meachin, like, the whole romance community organized a charity auction to benefit her family. Um, They even rallied to promote her final book that her daughter had finished, uh, her her alleged daughter (laughs) had finished. So, like, you know, a lot of people put a lot of resources into that whole scenario that ended up being a hoax. And I'm not saying we shouldn't take people at their word, but I am saying that um, we we should be critical of the things we read on social media. Yeah, particularly the social media aspect of it, right? It's yeah. it's a grain of salt because you just really don't know how much of it you can believe. And yeah, I don't want to say that we should lose all of our empathy and disengage and never trust anyone ever again, but you need to be a little bit careful. And I would argue, especially for regular folks like us, be careful with your money because... Yeah. Like, you just don't need to be given money to things unless you know what you're giving the money away to. Yeah, I think that's absolutely really important to remember. And also, just, like, if you feel yourself really caught in one of these stories, almost all of them show that people would have been better off if they had just taken a big old deep breath and a big old step backwards. Yeah, you know what? It's time to log off, go outside, touch some grass. So with all that said, Brenna... By Mm -hmm. the way, great stories. Thank you so much for putting all that work into it. (laughs) Tea, books, and chocolate. Let us know if you were happy. 
Yes, please let us know. And also, if you are, you know, Joe, you and I used to do news roundups at the beginning of like every episode. And in an effort to do less constant labor on this podcast, for me and my workload level and for you and the fact that like, this is not your podcast that pays the bills, we've Mm -hmm. dropped that segment. But like, doing a news roundup as a mini-sode was a lot of fun. And I would do this again anytime. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So folks, if you have scandals or gossip that you would love to share with us, please do hit the mailbag up. It's hkhspod at gmail.com or you can send it to any of our socials at hkhspod. This is going to be our last dispatch for the year. So if you listen to this week's main feed episode, you know that uh, we're taking the time off between Christmas and New Year's. And we'll be back in January with some fresh episodes. But uh, wishing you and yours a safe and happy holidays. And I hope everybody just gets a nice breather and they get to do what makes them feel good. I wish for everybody, like, just uh, 10 minutes of peace and quiet, honestly. (laughs) Wouldn't that be lovely? Oh and my maybe God. a little bit of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I don't need much, Joe. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks for listening all year. If you want to give us a little holiday gift and you've got time over the break to do a a, a review, we'd be thrilled mm. to read it. But um, yeah, just have some great time doing whatever it is that makes you feel fulfilled. And we'll see you back here in 2024. Sounds great. Welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. Mini, uh, mi- male. <laughs> Can we do that again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want me to do it? Yeah, you do it. Okay. Hey.